Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors. Liquidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. And also brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by PolicyPack Software now part of Networks, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. I noticed in the most recent release notes, or update to the release notes for Microsoft Intune for February 2022, you can now configure the type of application inventory for personally owned iOS, iPadOS devices that Intune sends to your chosen third-party mobile threat defense partner. It goes on to suggest that you can send full application inventory data on those personally owned devices and the options include either setting it to on, which means if your MDT partner syncs app data and requests a list of the iOS, iPadOS applications from Intune, including unmanaged applications, can be sent. Or off is that the data about unmanaged applications won't be provided and the MDT partner only receives details about apps that were deployed through Intune. So I guess it's an on or off. And if it's off, you're respecting your employee's privacy. If maybe it's a personal device, I guess you don't want to have to look at what apps they've installed on the device themselves. Or maybe if it's on, then it's a corporate owned device and you want to see everything. It also brings support for audio alerts on Android dedicated devices saying that you can now play lost device sound device actions to trigger an alarm on a device to assist in locating it if it's lost or stolen. On Android Enterprise, you can use the connect automatically setting on enterprise Wi-Fi profiles. And they've added a deprecated status in the group policy analytics migration readiness report that will automatically reevaluate your group policy objects. So basically tell you or show you if you're seeing any deprecated settings or settings that are maybe not available to MDM providers. I think I actually covered this two or three weeks ago. Uh, there were some recommendations about um, some legacy policies that you should really think about removing from your enterprise. So it sounds like this is going to provide a report if you're using Microsoft Endpoint Manager. And this applies to Windows 10 and Windows 11 only, it seems. There are also some further enhancements, such as simplifying enrollment and the sign-in experience and more. For a full list, you can check it out yourself, and I'll share a link to those release notes with this episode, which is episode 219, and you'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. At the end of last week, Lenovo announced the ThinkPad X13S that will ship with their first ARM-based processor, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8CX Generation 3. A Lenovo spokesperson told Ars Technica that the company believes it's time to put an ARM-based chip in a ThinkPad because the performance is now suitable for the power-focused lineup. The representative went on to say that expected performance should be in line with an Intel Core i5 CPU. 
Ars Technica state that capabilities supported include ThinkShield, which provides memory encryption and endpoint security. And that will work just the same as it does today on Intel and AMD based ThinkPads. Windows applications with native support include Microsoft 365, Zoom, and Sophos, while some x64 apps will require emulation for Windows 11 on ARM. So more and more applications are going to be supporting ARM. We saw Microsoft themselves kind of lean towards ARM a few years ago with the Surface or some Surface devices. So I'm sure that number of applications supporting it is going to increase and increase. In addition to the ThinkPad X13s, Lenovo also announced numerous Intel and AMD based devices, or at least refreshes for their ThinkPad lineup. But perhaps worth highlighting is the most expensive of those devices in the lineup, which is the ThinkPad X1 Extreme Generation 5, which starts at $2,049. That device comes with a 12th generation Core i9H series V Pro chip. It also comes with an RTX 3080 Ti GPU, 64 gigs of DDR5 RAM, and two SSDs totaling eight terabytes. And it's said that the 16 inch screen is capable of a 3840 by 2400 resolution. And all of these laptops will be available in June of this year. Microsoft's newest Windows 11 test build has added a new smart app control security feature, improved Microsoft 365 account management, and more according to Mary Jo at ZDNet. And I also saw that Tom Warren commented on this same build as well. Mary Jo explains that the Smart App Control is a security feature that Microsoft is enabling on Windows 11 to block untrusted or potentially dangerous applications. Testers can manually turn on this feature in the Windows Security app under the App and Browser Control section. This feature will only work on devices that apply build 22567 and higher via clean installation. Officials said they will provide more details about this feature in the future. The Microsoft 365 subscription management capability is said to be more visible and you can be found under settings and accounts within this build. In addition, in the subscription card area, Microsoft is enabling users to see their subscription payment information and to be notified when their methods need updating through payment details. So that's a good one because I did have a credit card expire within mine and I wasn't notified. I just happened to go in there and see that it had expired and the payment failed. And Tom Warren pointed out that in the new Windows 11 build, it appears that there's some new gesture capabilities within the operating system. And I'll share links to both of those, both the ZDNet article and what Tom pointed out with this episode. Professional services and insurance giant Aon has suffered a cyber attack that impacted a limited number of systems on February 25th, 2022. Aon has not provided any details of the attack other than it occurred on February 25th and affected a limited number of systems. So exactly what I just said. But BelievingComputer.com went on to report that in addition to being an insurance broker, Aon is also a leading reinsurance company, meaning that they insure the insurance companies. They report that it is common to receive data dumps of 
other insurer's clients when underwriting a reinsurance policy. So this makes Aon an attractive target for threat actors who commonly steal corporate data during cyber attacks. And I imagine that's because if they hack a company who provides insurance for other insurance companies, they may get lucky in daisy chain and be able to get data related to these other insurance companies and just spread their attack. It would be interesting to see if this story has legs and there's more information provided at a later date. According to threadpost.com, they have reported on a sophisticated phishing campaign directed at a major publicly traded integrated payment solution company located in North America. And the details suggest they made use of DocuSign and a compromised third party's email domain to skate past email security measures. The report states those who clicked a link in one of the nefarious emails was presented with a preview of an electronic document through DocuSign. The preview looked like a legitimate DocuSign landing page with a prompt to please review and sign this document and an indication that other parties had already added their signatures. Those who clicked to view the document were presented with a Microsoft single sign-on login page. Any login credentials entered at that stage would have ended up with the attackers. The emails in this attack came from a Hannah McDonald at teamsbrokerinsurance.com. The phishing email successfully evaded traditional email security measures in part because they came from a domain belonging to Term Brokers Insurance. Gotta keep your head on the swivel, people. Enzo Rasso tweeted this week that they have reissued the Citrix hypervisor version 82CU1 ISO to include an updated Intel NIC ICE 1.6.4 driver. He said that it has no impact to existing deployments and is only needed if you need to configure such a network at installation time. So if you tried it before and maybe it didn't work, retry with this new ISO. Just a reminder, as we're just over a month away, but the excellent EUC Masters Retreat is going to take place in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 8th through April 10th. This is a unique tech conference that you don't want to miss. It's in an awesome location too. At the perfect time of year, you're guaranteed sunshine. There's always some really great sessions on. It's typically done in the style of an unconference meaning that there's no set agenda or no set sessions ahead of time. Usually on the Friday night over some beers, people throw out topic suggestions and then we have a discussion or people will volunteer to speak on the topics. So if you're itching to get back to a conference, this is the perfect opportunity. And fingers crossed, all going well. I hope to be there myself. So if you're going, I'll see you there. And speaking of conferences, the awesome Patch My PC are running a giveaway of three tickets plus hotel covered for the awesome MMS conference that's taking place from May 1st through 5th in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Mall of America. So if you've never been to the Mall of America, that's also a destination that you should try. It is mind-bogglingly massive. And now, a hot job. ControlUp are looking for a product manager who can be based remotely. In the description, they detail that they're looking specifically for a talented and experienced product manager 
who will join the Scout Bees product team. They point out ControlUp is a global remote first team working on a breakthrough technology and enterprise IT space. Employees are measured by results, not hours spent, and are real members of the venture. Responsibilities for this role include collaborating with prospective users and clients to understand and anticipate their needs and translate them into product requirements, define, develop, and launch innovative new synthetic capabilities, engage directly and regularly with customers to gain an in-depth understanding of their needs, defining the vision and roadmap for the team's product, managing the product backlog and prioritizing them based on changing requirements and more. Requirements include proven product management experience with demonstrated success in product definition activities, ideally in an enterprise SaaS company, experience with enterprise software products in the networking and IT space, good understanding of cloud platforms and corporate networks, knowledge of network protocols, web technologies and SaaS products, and also experience with IT monitoring products and tools. So ControlUp is not only a sponsor of this show, they're also my employer. And I have to say, it is one of the best companies that I've worked for. Not only are the people really great to work for, not only are the perks that the company provide pretty outstanding, but also the products are really cool and awesome too. So if you have product manager experience, definitely check this out. And for more details on the job requirements and spec and also to apply, I'll share a link with this episode. You'll find that under the hot job section on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 219. And now this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. Joe Stalker this week shared a tip that he credits to Joshua Gatewood. And that is, with PowerShell, you can force your Azure Active Directory dynamic groups to recalculate with a simple PowerShell commandlet. And that is the set-azure-admsgroup commandlet with a few parameters. I won't read it out on this episode, but if you're listening to the audio only, you could see the commandlets on the YouTube edition of this episode, which you'll find at fivebytespodcast.com, or I'll link to the tweet that contains the PowerShell commandlets in the reference links. Brian Timp had a pretty straightforward tip And that was that he started using Windows Sandbox this week, and he says he doesn't know why he didn't do this earlier, as it speeds up testing of his application install scripts and packaging big time. And I'll have to say that I use Windows Sandbox quite a bit in the past, probably less so now because I'm a little more scatterbrained recently. But yeah, it's a really great way to have this kind of disposable throwaway VM instance that you can just use as a playground in a sandbox and it keeps you with some relative protection. So if you haven't tried Windows Sandbox yet, in particular, like if you're installing applications and doing some packaging work, check it out. Now, just to promote a couple of things that I'm involved with, if you don't mind, this is not a webinar, so I couldn't put it on a weekly webinar, uh, but Trenton Ty and I will be presenting at the HIMSS conference on March 14th in Orlando, Florida. Our topic is labeled Work From Home Emergency Response, Speed Trumps Perfection. We'll be talking a little bit to my experience working in healthcare IT at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe talk about what I learned, what maybe could have done better in hindsight, and also just, you know, why things were not initially perfect when everyone was rushing to support work from home. 
but also how you can maybe work on getting closer to perfect now that it seems that this work from anywhere and work from home strategy is likely to turn out to be more long term. And if you'd like to attend that and you're going to be in Orlando, that session is the PD2 session. And also last week, we hosted yet another cloud paging user group meetup. And at the meetup, we had Ryan and we from Numescent speak on some cloud paging server design information, uh, optimization tips, and more. But also we got a cloud pager demo. So if you were part of the user group last year before cloud pager was launched, they gave our group an exclusive sneak peek to see the new product. Well, now that it has launched, they gave us a more detailed demonstration. And if you'd like to see this demonstration for yourself, or even to just view the entire recording from the last meetup, you can find that in the Cloud Paging User Group Slack workspace, and you can be invited to that by joining the Cloud Paging User Group. And you can find that at cloudpagingug.org, and I'll share a link to join with this episode. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening.